Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a praise in this house tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 In your Bible, it speaks in an account where they brought a man to Jesus. And the scripture says the house was full. And it says, so they went on top of the roof and they began to pull off shingles and they lowered the man down into the house. I want you to know sometimes you can hear what Jesus is doing. But I ain't satisfied with just hearing what Jesus is doing. They understood that if they were going to get what they are going to get that night, they had to make a way for him to get down to see Jesus. I'm in an atmosphere tonight where there are things that need to be taken care of. There are situations that need the Holy Ghost to minister to. But I can't just look from the outside. I can't just hear everybody else worshiping. But I've got to make room tonight. I've got to start taking whatever's in the way out of the way. For I can make room for the Holy Ghost to begin to do work in my heart hallelujah hallelujah the scripture says to lay down the sin and the weight that does so easily beset you I've come to lay down the weights I've come to lay down the loads I've come to make room I've come to make ready and preparing right here that Jesus is going to come and touch my need and my situation tonight hallelujah hallelujah thank you Jesus God is good Amen, and he is doing good things in this place tonight. Amen, I'm excited. I am excited about what God's doing tonight. Amen, he is doing such good things. Amen, we want to continue to worship him tonight. And at this time, we want our dear brother, Pastor Mayo, from all the way from Washington State. He was with us Friday night at the youth rally, and we had a good Holy Ghost service. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And amen, and we're going to continue that tonight. Amen. Let's continue to worship as Pastor Mayo comes tonight. Oh, hallelujah. I was glad. I was glad. When they said unto me, that means somebody had a revelation and had to get me to see what they saw. I'm glad somebody had a revelation to tell me about Jesus. Right. Amen. amen, amen, amen. Well, I love what I feel here tonight. I love what I feel here tonight. There's heartfelt worship and praise and, and uh, determination. And I just love what I feel in this house. I thank you so much uh, to your pastor and bishop for the invitation to be with you tonight. And uh, brother and sister Feld, nice to see her. And the bishop and all these other ministering brethren and I've just enjoyed myself uh, so much in fact I looked at the weather report um, on my cell phone and it says there's three days of snow so I was I was wondering if I could just stay here for a couple days uh, in fact I'm going to call my wife and say honey I'm moving because uh, I love this blue sky 
And, uh, of course, I don't like humidity and I don't like bugs, so I won't stay here long. But uh, I just love what I feel. The people of God have been so gracious to us and uh, just so thankful to, uh, to be with you and, and to feel what we feel. We had a tremendous time in the Holy Ghost um, uh, with Brother uh, Urshan this morning. And uh, just, just a real treat to be with you tonight. In Jesus' name. I do feel like I have direction from the Holy Ghost. And so uh, without any further delay, I'd like to draw your attention to the book of 2 Kings, chapter number 6. Hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. Oh, what a beautiful building you've got going up over there. Man, I'm telling you, it's the best looking building in town. Now, I'm just a visitor. I'm not saying this for brownie points. Your, your pastor's going to take good care of me either way, but I'm telling you, it's the best looking building in town. And uh, I've, got a, I've got a feeling that when you move from here to there, it's just going to be the sky's the limit in Jesus' name. And uh, we ourselves are uh, moving into a building program. Actually, we've been into, in it for four years, and we haven't even turned a shovel of dirt. And it looks like we're just about to do that at any time. And uh, we're just thankful about the good things of God in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Second Kings chapter 6. I do believe I have a word from the from the Lord here tonight. And um, starting in verse number 1, And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold, now the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam. And let us make us a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. And one said, Be content, I pray thee. And go with thy servants, and he answered, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. Notice verse 5 and 6. But as one was felling the beam, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place, and he cut down a stick and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. Therefore said he, Take it up to thee. And he put out his hand and took it. Once again, verse 5, 6, and 7. But as one was felling the beam, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried in and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he shewed him the place, and he cut down a stick and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. Therefore said he, take it up to thee. And he put out his hand and took it. I want to preach for several moments tonight about recovering your cutting edge. Recovering your cutting edge. Let's put our Bibles down and lift our hands. There's been a lot of praise that's gone up, but let's, let's love him. Let's open up our hearts and our minds and our souls to the quickening of the Word of God and the Spirit of God that's in this house. In the name of Jesus, let every heart be open, let every ear hear. 
God, there are many here tonight that while many are going forward, they want to go back and get that which they have lost. We pray in this place tonight for the dynamic spirit of recovery by the authority of the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. One more time, clap your hand and give him praise, and you may be seated. There's some interesting things about this passage of Scripture that are so relevant to where this church is, and I will be totally honest with you. I had no idea that I was going to be preaching here um, when I was invited to, uh, to come, and I had no idea that this church was in a building program, and... I had no idea what I'd be preaching until the Lord spoke to me and gave me direction. And so I feel very confident that at least in the setting here, it applies to where we are because you see, we are viewing a building project. We are viewing a building project. They have filled the place where they have been the place has become too straight for them which means tight quarters the walls are closing in on them and so a building project has begun and we must be careful in the midst of doing so much for the Lord we must be careful not to get caught up with busyness wear out, burn out, stress out, because it is in this environment of busyness for the Lord that it's so easy to misplace and to lose some critical things that are given to us from God. In this particular passage of Scripture, we see that this man that was felling a beam, he was cutting down a tree, the axe head fell off and it fell into the water beyond his ability to reach and to recover on his own. There are some things that you and I can recover on our own by simply calling on the name of the Lord and seeking after him on our own. But I submit to you tonight, there are also some things that require the interaction of the man of God. In fact, in verse number 6, this man did not continue to try to go through the motions. He did not continue to try to fake it until you make it. But he recognized that something was distinctly different in his ability to get the job done. He said, alas, master, for it was borrowed. What we have here tonight is not our own. Thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank God for the name of Jesus Christ. Thank God for the rich, powerful spirit of God I feel in this place. Thank God for the grace of God. Thank God for the favor of God. Thank God for the word of God. But it is not our own. It is not our own. Thank God for the fruits of the Spirit. Thank God for the gifts of the Spirit. Thank God for the character of Jesus Christ. But it is not our own. 
Let's clap our hands and give him praise in Jesus' name. What we have received from God is empowerment. It is enablement. It is blessing. It is calling. It is ability. And it is opportunity. There is a great temptation in this hour to begin in the spirit and to finish in the flesh. I want you to know that we cannot have real church without a real move of the Holy Ghost. We cannot have a real church service without the interaction of the real anointed word of God. I'm glad what I feel here tonight, Bishop, is the real thing. I can feel around here that, that the stakes go deep and the foundation goes deep. There's something in this building tonight, hallelujah, that is being passed on unto us that is from the Holy Ghost. Oh, I wish that somebody to clap their hands and give God praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. It is possible to lose that which is given to us from God. The key to recovery was and is the man of God. Notice with me this chain of events. Number one, he realized and he recognized that something was missing. Something was different. I've been pastoring long enough to know that some people will just continue to go through the motions and then their job, the, the, the job begins to go down. Their, their zeal goes down. I'm telling you, every once in a while, we need to just find a place and be regenerated again. We need to be renewed again. Oh, come on, somebody. I thank God for people that have capable hands and I thank God for people that have know-how and I thank God that have uh, people that have acuity and, and ability to do something. But friend, there's somewhere we've got to just get down and say, God, give me the Holy Ghost all over again. I can't do it without you. I cannot start in the spirit and finish in the flesh. There is such a temptation among us to do it anyhow, to do it in the flesh, to just keep on faking everybody out and going through the motions. This man first recognized that something was missing, something was not right. Number two, he confessed, he professed to the man of God. Number three, the man of God asked, where did you lose it? Number four, the man of God located it and restored it with the miraculous. And lastly, the man of God said, here it is, now you do your part, you take it. Here I am, I'm here with a message from God, now do you, you do your part and you get a hold of it and you run with it and you claim it. Oh, come on, somebody. Thank God for that beautiful building. Thank God for the effort. But we cannot afford to go through the motions. We have got to have the empowerment and the glory and the grace. Oh, come on, somebody. In the name of Jesus. Recovering our cutting edge. If you used to give five Bible studies a week, we need to get back to the running speed that we operate on in God. If we used to knock doors and do it with a smile on our face, we need to get back to running speed and do it 
in the Holy Ghost. I have come here tonight not to accuse you. I have come here tonight to bring restoration to your cutting edge, to get your joy back, to get your direction back, to get your power back, to get your purpose back, to get your direction back. Come on. Hallelujah. The birds are going to sing again. The flowers are going to bloom again. It's time to get your cutting edge. The man of God tonight is still the go-between. Between the recovery of our cutting edge and our dreams, our hopes, our goals, our desires, and our purpose. But the man of God is under incredible scrutiny here in this day and age. Some people want to laugh it off as being a control freak. Some people want to laugh it off as being manipulation. Some people want to laugh it off as being old time, ancient of days, religiosity. Hey, I'm telling you, I've got a pastor. Hallelujah. And I'm not getting rid of my pastor. You hear what I'm saying? Hallelujah. I would rather die the death. Hallelujah. Than renounce and denounce. I wouldn't be in the ministry today if it wasn't for my pastor. I wouldn't be anointed of God if it wasn't for my pastor. And my family wouldn't be blessed without my man of God. I need a covering in my life. I need a man of God. If you're thankful for your pastor, let's give the Lord praise tonight. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody. You've lost your passion, but you can get it back. You've lost your way, but you can get your direction. You've lost your anointing, but you can get it back. Oh, yes, you can. Hallelujah. Too many good, godly, capable people are operating on the flesh instead of that quickening spontaneity of the power of the Holy Ghost. How does God view your pastor? Number one, you folks can be seated unless you, you, you want to remain standing. I'm sorry, I should have said something earlier. I know you are. I appreciate that so much. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers hallelujah it's not just some some random roll of the dice that brings a man of God into a community but it is the call and the direction of God hallelujah the Bible says that his ministry is for the perfecting for the work for the edification of the church of the living God the book of Ezekiel chapter number three calls the man of God the watchman on the wall. Son of man, I have made thee a watchman under the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. You've got to understand, when the man of God openly rebukes and reproves and exhorts, he's not doing this because he doesn't have anything better to do. He, he wants to stay right with God. <laughs> Hallelujah. When the man of God has to do what he's got to do, it, it's, it's, it's not to get in your face. It's, it's, not to, it's not to bother you. It's not to control you. But he's got a job from God. Oh, come on, somebody. Now, that watchman on the wall was the most unpopular occupation of a community. 
Because robbers and thieves and marauders, nomadic tribes knew that we're never going to be able to take the city until we take that watchman of the wall. So it was a very unpopular occupation. But it was an occupation in which the town drunk was not eligible for. Somebody that was unfaithful was not eligible to be the watchman on the wall. You had to have a man that understood that his role is keeping people safe at night. Oh, I'm trying to preach to somebody. When God goes to call in a watchman in the wall, it's not some casual, careless, just just kind of selection of anybody that graduates from Billy Graham's Bible College. You hear what I'm saying? But God is looking for somebody that is dedicated, somebody that is astute, somebody that is faithful, somebody that is not afraid to call the devil a devil, somebody that is not, oh, come on, somebody, to kill a wolf. And run off a hireling. Oh, clap your hands and give him praise. Hallelujah. Because you see, the watchman in the wall not only spotted danger on the outside, but he also could see what was going on on the inside. And so there was a unique duality. And so let's not so overburden the man of God with problems in here that he loses his God-called focus to keep an eye on keeping things out. I hope that's all right. Usually when it gets that quiet, I'm getting real close to the bullseye. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I start walking a little softer because one guy said it's so it's so quiet right now I could knock fuzz off of a peanut and hear it thank God for the watchman on the wall the man of God is responsible to save that individual's life by pointing out their sin by pointing out their reproach 1 Peter chapter number 5 he is to be an example to the flock he is to be a pattern there's a lot of people in our hour that want to say, well, you know, uh, there's a, we have a platform standard. I hope this is okay. There's a platform standard, and then there's a pew standard. Honey, if you're around here any time at all, I'm telling you, it all lead, need, we need to say the same thing. We need to look the same. We need to provide a unanimous witness to our city. We ought not have a duality. We ought not have a difference. We ought not have a distinction between that which is anointed. God wants to anoint the pew around here. God wants to empower the pew around here. We ought to all say the same thing. He is a pattern in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. John chapter number 3, he is the friend of the bridegroom. He hears from the Lord, and then he tells the bride to prepare herself, to adorn herself in the doctrine. To be prepared under the pattern given to him by the bridegroom. You know, I've seen a lot of churches that the church looks like the friend of the bridegroom. It's made in the image of the bridegroom instead of the friend of the bridegroom instead of the image of the bridegroom. I'm glad you've got a pastor that's preaching out of the word of God and he's not afraid to draw the right lines. You understand what I'm saying? I've been in some churches where, where it's, it's in the image of the pastor. 
you know, and I don't think this is too bad, and I don't think that's too bad, and I don't think, I'm telling you, where God draws a line, that's where we need to draw a line. When God says, I don't like that or any such thing, then we ought not like that or any such thing. We ought not have spot or wrinkle or any such thing. We ought to turn the man of God loose and say, preach to me. Make me into the image of the... Come on, somebody, clap your hands and give him praise. I want to be what God wants me to be, and I'm not going to get there without the man of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I remember us preaching in one church, and I was just preaching away, and as I usually do, I usually mention television at least once or twice in every message. And when I said that word television, it was like I ran right into a brick wall. And I thought, well, this service is over. Pastor got up and said, well, you know, we appreciate Brother Mayo, but, you know, we don't believe everything he does. And I thought, well, you don't need my ministry around here. I'm out of here. Because, honey, if you can't get the inside clean, it don't matter what you look like on the outside. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm a, my God, I'm starting to feel some help right about now. You hear what I'm saying? Hallelujah. I'm not going to play. I'm not going to fake it until I make it. I don't want to just go through the motions. I don't want to just go through the actions. I want to have the real anointing. I want to have the real power. I want to have the real glory of God in my midst. I want to have the real presence of God in my midst. In this day and hour, there's a huge deal. People are running like crazy to this new craze of soul winning. And I believe in soul winning. I'm going to tell you there's something that's more powerful than soul winning. That's personal evangelism. Personal evangelism is described in Hebrews chapter 12 where it says, without holiness no man shall see the Lord. That's not talking about not seeing Jesus. It might mean that as well. That without holiness you won't see Jesus on judgment day. But I believe what that scripture is talking about without holiness in here. You can't manifest Jesus sitting across the coffee table with an open Bible. There's nothing in this world. I'd rather do that than preach if you can believe it or not. Sitting there with a sinner and you begin to you begin to give them a Bible study and you can feel that glory and all of a sudden their eyes open up and the living God has been manifested to them. There's nothing in this world like that. Hallelujah. But this doesn't happen when you've got junk on the inside. It doesn't happen when there's uncleanness on the inside. Without holiness we cannot reveal the Lord and the reason why we need all these soul winners boot camps is because there's so much unholiness around I paid $15,000 to discover I don't need that oh let's lift our hands and give him praise man I, I ought not meddle like that but I, I'm sorry I I got to tell you, I, I got to call it how I see it. We need to get back to praying and getting a burden for souls and looking under the fields that are white with harvest and say, God, lead me to somebody today. Lead me to somebody on the job. Lead me to somebody. And then manifest yourself through me. I can't wait, God. I can't wait to be a part of what you're doing. But it'll never happen without your cutting edge. He is a gift to this city and to this geographical region. He is a watchman on the wall. He is an example. He is a friend of the bridegroom. He is a feeder of the flock. He is one that watches for your soul. He is the one that is not afraid to tell you the truth. Jesus stood before one ruler 
I want to say it's Herod. And he demanded of Jesus, he said, speak to me. Don't you know that I have the power to destroy you, to kill you? And Jesus answered him never a word. Because three years earlier, Herod cut the head off of his pastor and put it in a charger for preaching against adultery. If you ever cut the head off of your pastor, God will never speak to you again. I know people wandering from church to church and they're looking for that fresh word like they had in the beginning. But they began to put down the ministry and they literally decapitated their pastor. And Jesus becomes the silence of the Lamb. And will never speak again. Because he speaks through the ministry. One last thing is the man of God is a recovery specialist. Let's lift our hands and just talk to Jesus. The man of God is a recovery specialist. If he is really your pastor, panoramically he knows the good, the bad, and the ugly and still loves you and still hopes for the very best. God gives him the prophetical ability to look into your life and to help you be restored. You can't do it on your own. And a lot of people want to do it on their own because they don't want to be open. They don't want to be honest. They don't want to be transparent. There's too much artificiality in Pentecost. Jesus talked about his mission. Leaving the 99 and getting the one getting the candle in the broom and searching every single space for the lost coin. The greatest recoveries are sitting in this house today. The Apostle Peter experienced an incredible recovery Jesus prophesied his failure and then gave him the prescription on how to be restored and said I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not it wasn't the temptation of cursing Jesus it was the temptation of walking away from Jesus when the condemnation and the shame moved in But with every failure and with every mistake is a God-given opportunity to convert it into ministry for somebody else. He said, when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. We need not waste this mistake. I'm preaching to somebody that you have put yourself on a shelf because you dropped the ball, because you made a mistake. But I'm here to tell you, God wants to convert that mistake. Because there's somebody somewhere 
that can learn something. Oh, lift your hands and give him praise. I'm here to tell you, God wants to convert every mistake into your ministry. Your ministry is not an amalgamation and con conglomeration of successes. Your ministry is a conglomeration of failures and successes and, and valleys. And Oh, come on, somebody! We need to get honest in Pentecost. It's time to turn mistakes into ministry. Instead of sabotaging God's plan in our life by telling us that if I make a mistake, I'm done. Granted, it depends on what kind of mistake you make. In Jesus' name. Let's lift our hands one more time. I feel the Holy Ghost working on somebody right now. Somebody's going somebody's gonna to recover their cutting edge. You've been sitting here for years without giving a Bible study. And yet you, you go back and wipe the dust off your memory banks and remember what it used to be like and remember what it used to feel. I'm here, I'm here to tell you, I come to you. I come to you as a messenger in the Holy Ghost that God did not retire you. God has not placed you in the back 40. God has not put you on a shelf. God wants you to recover your cutting edge. I love you, Jesus. 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 We're just going through the moment. Come on, some of us. I'm not, I don't say that to put you down. I'm just saying that somewhere we misplaced our passion and somewhere we ran right past God and somewhere we, we, we lost the key to, to, to being anointed and empowered and, and in that glorious realm with Him. Some of us have just sat down among the stuff thinking that Ziklag is, is a hopeless cause. I'm here to preach to somebody. It's time to recover your cutting edge. My God, I feel it already happening. Come on, somebody. You can get your miracle right now. You can get your deliverance right now. If you'll just make yourself available, the key is being honest. The key is recognizing something's different. I, something's different, and I can't go on another day. God, I don't want to live like this another day. I don't want to go like this another year. I don't want to see the same geography. I don't want to see the same topography. I don't want to walk in circles for an entire generation. By the authority of the name of Jesus. 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 I'm going to tell you what, I rebuke condemnation by the authority of the name of Jesus. I rebuke condemnation in the name of Jesus. Let me show you just how far the grace of God can go to restore somebody. 
my pastor told the story of a man that was his youth pastor. There was only two men in this youth group. It was Brother Wilson and Brother Randy Keyes. Both of them pastor churches, huge churches in California. And their youth pastor pastored in a little tiny town in central California, a little farming community. And as the years went by, Brother Wilson and Brother Randy Keyes went into the ministry and both evangelized and then settled down to pastor. And their youth pastor left his beautiful wife and their beautiful two children and went into the homosexual lifestyle. Moved to San Francisco, California. Years and years and years and years later, this man was now dying of AIDS. He had 17 different diseases raging in his body. He was just days away from death. And after years and years and years and years and years, he called up Brother Wilson and made contact with Brother Keys and said, would you please come and pray for me? And so Brother Wilson told the story of driving up to that boarding house in the Castro District of San Francisco, a boarding house that was reserved for AIDS patients in the latter stages. They walked up those rickety wood steps and knocked on the door and walked into his room and he was laying there, could not even see because of the open wounds on his face and his eyes and pus and crust. The room stank from all the diseases. They visited for a few minutes, hadn't seen each other in years. Brother Wilson and Brother Keyes went over and said, we're going to pray for you now. They laid hands on this man's head and he could just barely lift up one arm. Brother Wilson said it was like the angels of heaven began to fill that room with the stench of death. There was an angelic presence in that room and just as melodious as any one of us have ever spoken in tongues, this man began to fluently speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. How deep is the grace of God to reach and to restore? Let's lift our hands again in the name of Jesus. I'm almost done. But there's somebody here tonight that says it's too far gone. I've missed it. I've dropped the ball. I'm going to have to take a lesser, a lesser place. I'm afraid not. I think we need to review that, talk about it here. God ain't done with you. You may be done, but God's not done. The devil may have convinced you you're done, but... I beg to differ with you if you'll give me audience here tonight. One of my favorite passages in the pastoral epistles is found in 2 Timothy chapter 2, begin verse number 24. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach and patient. There are only three entities in this room to truly understand what's taking place. And that is the man of God, the devil, 
and God. I've been, how far do I go into this stuff? You know, I've been in churches where uh, guys can't seem to keep a church together. They build it up to about 30, 40 people, and then they run them all off, and they get another 30, 40, and they run them all off, and they get another 30. You've got to get a revelation that God is trying to change both of you. He's trying to change you by dealing with people. He's trying to change them by listening to you. Is this all right, Bishop? Because the first week I was in Spokane, Washington, the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, this church is going to grow as fast as you do, which put the pressure on me to be developed instead of the people. And so on any given service, when I look out there and see things that I know are not right, I understand that I must first communicate to them the Bible says that the servant of the Lord, the very first requirement is that the man of God is in total alignment and knows the score. Only then can the rest of the equation properly work. In meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. When the man of God preaches to you, that is his way of saying, here it is. Take it. Here's your cutting edge. Take it, man. Here, I got it for you. Take it. Take it. Take it. It's yours. Now you recover yourself from the devil. However, if you have an attitude against the man of God, if you have an attitude against the pulpit, God will not grant you repentance to the acknowledging of your true condition. I've been preaching to people for years, Bishop. I've done everything I can do. I've prayed. I've fasted. I've loved them. I'll continue to put up with them. And I just keep hoping that one in one service, maybe somewhere, they will get over what somebody did to them a long time ago and recognize that the man of God has my answer. The man of God is for me. The man of God wants to see me renewed. The man of God wants to see me restored. And they can get beyond all that. And they can get a hold of it. The man of God produces the miracle. He brings up the axe head and he says take it here it is here it is God wants to bless you God wants to renew you God wants to restore you now you do your part and take it but if you have an attitude against the pulpit the revelation just moves right beyond you to the person behind you or the person next to you and another week goes by and we stay unrestored and it's unrecovered. Because once you recover your cutting edge, you yourself will get yourself free from the snare of the devil. I get these people, Pastor, I need you. I, they're chronics. Pastor, I need you to pray for me. The devil's all over me. I said, you know what? It's time you learn to pray. 
Uh, Pastor, I need you to give me a word from the Lord. I said, it's time for you to open your Bible and you get your word. You know what? If I keep doing it for them, they are never going to get strong. They are never going to find purpose. They are, I, I'm not afraid to do that. I'm not, I, I'll do it for anybody. But I'm saying week after week after week after week, you need to get your cutting edge and say, God wants me to have this. God wants me to have wisdom. God wants me to have understanding. God wants me to have anointing. God wants me to have direction. It's time for somebody to get the cutting edge and get loose from the devil yourself. Hallelujah. When a man of God has this understanding, his church stays liberated. Yes, you're always going to have a few cantankerous. You're always going to have some chronics. But the church stays fluid. The church stays on track. The church stays anointed. The church has direction. The church has purpose because they have a cutting edge from an anointed pulpit. Come on, let's sit our hands and give him praise. Come on, I'm getting my cutting edge tonight. The man of God's for me. He's not my enemy. The man of God is not in opposition to me. I oppose my own self. But the man of God is for me. He's for my marriage. He's for my ministry. He's for my children. He's for my future. Oh, come on. I wouldn't put up with not being anointed for another week. I would not put up with not having your cutting edge another week. I'd get a hold of it. I'd go with it. I'd embrace it. I'd say, Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor. When the man of God rebukes, I, I, I don't know why I'm parked here, Bishop, but when the man of God rebukes you, it's not because he's against you, it's because he loves you. Well, be, uh, the Bible says that open rebuke is better than secret love. I'd rather have somebody that's going to tell me like it is than, than just kind of skip around the edges and, and, and be double-tongued and double-hearted. I want someone to get in my face and say, you know what, you better get right. If I'm not right, I need somebody to tell me. If I'm missing somebody, I want something I want, somebody, I'm preaching to somebody. We need to just say, thank God. I'm going to get a hold of it. I'm going to run with it. I'm going to get my cutting edge. Let's all stand and lift our hands and give Jesus praise. It's time to be restored to our cutting edge, to find our purpose. It's not the will of God. It's the will of God that everybody in this building has found their place, has found their job description in God, is working together in synchronization, is working together in the wisdom and the power of the Holy Ghost. But you've got to have a cutting edge. You've got to be able to hit the log. You've got to be able to fell the tree. You can't do it with carnality. You you can't do it with the blunt end of carnal purpose. You've got to have a cutting edge. Hallelujah. I'm preaching to some good people here tonight. I'm preaching to some sincere people here tonight that want to be restored. You want to be restored to that cutting edge. This altar is open to you. Just come and stand on this altar tonight if you want to be restored to your cutting edge. It's going to take honesty. It's going to take without artificiality. It's going to take without pretense. It's going to take without playing the game, but just saying, God, God.
Let's lift our hands. In some cases, some of us need to repent and say, you know what, I've let something get in my heart between me and this pulpit. You cannot afford to let anything get in your heart or your spirit between you and this pulpit. This pulpit is the device that God uses to restore you to your cutting edge. Let's lift our hands and open our hearts. God, in the name of Jesus, sweep across this godly audience and open up the windows of heaven and give capacity and ability an opportunity to be reunited with their dreams and their hopes and their passions for Jesus. Come on, get a hold of it. I feel somebody getting a hold of it now. I see somebody is about to reach out. Come on, you're going to have to reach out. The man of God can't do it all for you. God can't do it all for you. It's going to take the equation of you and the man of God and your God. If you're a soul winner, hallelujah, if you're into personal evangelism, it's time to get back to it. Hallelujah, if you knock doors, it's time to get back to it. If you like to beat the pavement, it's time to get back to it. If you want to work on the church, it's time to get back to it. It's time to get back to the cutting edge. Praise Him. Praise Him. Say, Jesus, here am I. Here am I. Here am I. I'm not leaving till I get it. I'm not leaving till I obtain it. I'm not leaving till I'm restored. Refresh me, oh Lord, with living water. Turn your mistakes into ministry. Turn your mistakes into success by saying, I'm going to judge my own self. I'm going to examine my own self. Oh! 